not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Soup Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your Fetty hosts tonight, and I am joined by some, some Fetties and Zeons on this show. So why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and Sayla was all like, my parents and my cat are dead in this episode. Hey, this is Justin, and I am a char. That's right, you are. So, we are here on the, the I, I guess we should, I'm going to make a big deal about it. This is the 50th episode of Mobile Suit Mondays, and I, I think we, I think we had some huge plans for the 50th episode, but because we're lazy and that fell apart or whatever, we're, we're actually covering Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, episode 5, Clash at Loom, because this is a recently released in Japan. It was theatrically released over there September 6th. 2nd 2017 and we figured we'd all get together and watch it and discuss it and i know you know in the past it's been me and mike discussing but we also have a new vantage point because justin's joining us for this episode so I, I i'm imagining you've seen like origin one through four before you watch this right like yeah i did the same thing i did with gunham unicorn because i'm not at all a patient person like yeah yeah you guys are soldiers because you can like watch these and wait like a year or a year and a half, but like I can't. So with Unicorn, I waited until there were like there were like four movies out, and I sit down and watched them all. And so I did the same thing with Gundam: The Origin. I was like, you know what? There's four of these now. I'm gonna sit down and watch them. And I watched them on like one day, and I was like, man, this is great. Like I'm glad I saved all these for one time. Yeah, that's cool. Cause I, you know, you know what was cracking me up is because I was watching I was watching this episode last night. And, like, I'm sitting there going, man, like, wh what is it like? It's like eight minutes and 30 seconds of, yeah. of basically, like, <laughs> in, case, yeah. in case you haven't seen the first four episodes, like, this is what you missed type thing. And and they've done this pretty successively 
And I mean, you know, I, I know it's a weird thing because normally this is stuff that most people fast forward through, but I mean, I, I, I do want to just go on record as this is a praise, not a criticism, but it's just like, you know, not a lot of people take the time and effort to sort of bring people up to speed on stuff like this. And since this is, you know, sequential storytelling and like Justin's saying, most people are not giving themselves the luxury of you know in some ways like like i think you're a trooper too justin for waiting until you're ready to watch it the <laughs> way you want to watch it i guess because for me like i i know sometimes when new stuff comes out i can't help myself i'm just like wait there's new gundam like argh, like i'm mainlining it or whatever like slapping my arm or whatever like i need to i, I need to shoot up with the latest gundam immediately <laughs> you know like like i can't just i can't just like put put all the needles to the side and then do them like five at a stretch or whatever you know because that would fuck me up real bad but um but anyway you know you know but, the... <laughs> oh, man. but anyway that's that's yeah that's that's kind of my my take on it but i guess all all i was saying was i'm i'm, I'm kind of complimenting the the nature of the recap because i i, I given that there's so much kind of political machinations and story to get into and the whole you know almost shakespearean you know twins trading places and going under different names and you know the kind of you know uh, almost ridiculous complexity of of some of the backstory here you know th that can obviously be very difficult to sum up within you know eight minutes you know and and they do an admirable job of it you know I don't know, should I, I mean, I, I wrote down the, the, the Wikipedia synopsis, which barely gets into, like, the first, like, I don't know, 20 minutes of this film, which is, like, an hour and change or whatever. I mean, I can read that if people kind of want to know what's going on, but basically, it, I mean, it just says, you know, on January 3rd, you see 0079, the Principality of Zeon declares war on the Earth Federation and massacres the anti-Zeon government of Side 2, Hate. At the same time, a mobile suit assault force led by Cecilia captures the moon cities of Granada and Von Braun. At side 7, Amaro and Hayato are dragged by Kai and his gang into trespassing into the colony's development sector, only to be arrested and beaten up by Federation guards before they discover Amaro's identity as the son of Tem Ray and let him go. Meanwhile, Dozel reveals to Rambaral that Girinzabi has plans to use the captured island Ifish colony to end the war. And that that's where their synopsis ends, but I mean they they do the whole, you know, they do the whole awful ass colony drop and they go through like a lot of sort of individual snippets of the various cast of characters, you know, whether it's, you know, th this this is definitely something that dovetails from this being you know kind of how the original i think anime was billed as like oh this is going to be a, a sort of char centric type show you know like like char is still in this but it also seems to go around to all the gundam cast members of the original series you've got kai and amuro and hayato you've got Rambaral and Haman and, you know, like, all these different characters that are, you know, running around. They even bring back the 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 intelligence guy that, that had the hots for her or whatever, you know, that's kind of filling in 
Sela on stuff, which I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys about, but I guess w without getting into too much stuff, I mean, I, I suppose I, I would like to open it up to you guys, but like, what are your sort of immediate thoughts of this particular episode, I guess, like Clash at Loom, like, like I, b before I sort of drop my my two cents, like, what, what, what are you guys' thoughts? I, I really enjoyed it. One of the things I liked is, you know, we, we do get to see the infamous colony drop, and I liked that they didn't spend a whole lot of time with that, because I kind of, I thought that was going to be this huge, long, drawn-out sequence, and I was thinking, you know, we don't need that, because we've already had a long, drawn-out colony drop sequence in Stardust Memory, so I was like, I hope they don't do that, and they didn't, you know, I mean, it's a big important part in this episode but it's not you know it's not drawn out i mean they show you know i think the biggest part is showing what happens to the inhabitants like that was really kind of heartbreaking especially that you know that young couple like that could have been you know that could have been like any gundam character like that could have been like amuro and sela or that could have been like you know amuro and frau Bo or something like, you know, just these kind of two kids are like, oh, I'll take care of you and I'll guard you. And then, you know, they get gassed to death. Like I, you know, to you know, to be honest, and maybe this is naive, but like I never thought like what happened to the people in that colony. I just kind of I guess I just assumed it was empty or something. I, I think I felt that way, too, because this is the first time I was kind of like, oh, shit, there were like people in that colony when they dropped it. And, you know, the other thing to me that, and this is something I was going to ask you guys about, was I I felt like the aftermath of the colony drop maybe was a little bit of a retcon in this version of the story, because th they say that, I mean, it still drops in Australia like we're used to, like that always happens in the beginning of every single you know, Gundam episode, basically, like, telling you, you know, this is this is the big thing that sort of kicks off the one-year war and all that other kind of stuff. But, like, they basically say that not only did everybody in Australia get nailed by this, but that the, the colony essentially broke off into three pieces and not only hit Australia, but hit other parts of the Earth. And because of just all the debris and dust and and bullshit that happened upon impact like people like like i i don't know i thought i thought it was kind of like one of these sneaky slams on the, the united states because they said north america got hit they said like i'm trying to think but there were like other you know of course i'm centric right that's the only thing i care about that north america got hit but other places got hit other than australia because of that you know the aftermath of it and then they sort of go on to say essentially half the world's population was wiped out because of that colony drop. And I'm thinking, like, I mean, who knows? It might be more than it is now, but what are there, like, seven, eight billion people on the planet right now? So that means what? Like, that colony drop took out four billion fucking people? Like, I don't think I... I mean, I knew it was serious. I knew, like, Australia got nailed, and I was, like, thinking, okay, Australia, like, okay, maybe, like, you know, one billion tops. You know, like, I mean, I know I know that's, like, horrible, right? You're talking about 1 billion people versus 4 billion people. But I'm like, I didn't think it was as many people as they state in this, you know, movie. So, like, that to me was kind of 
eye-opening, you know, on top of the people that are in the colony, too. Like, that doesn't even count the people that were in the colony, which is probably another couple billion, right? Like, I mean, you know, and, and then just to go into details, because I wrote it down, the couple that Justin's talking about, which I was like, are these people? Are these real people? Like, who are these people? <laughs> like, am I supposed to know who these people are? And like, and, and but, but I did look up their names. It's Yuki Snow and Fang Lee. And they, they mentioned at least Fang by name. And I think they mentioned Yuki by name. And, and I, I think it's supposed to be like this gag, because I guess Yuki in Japanese is snow so it's almost like his name is snow snow or something I don't know but but the point is the guy's name was Yuki and the girl's name was Fang Lee and and you know what Justin says is completely accurate I mean it, it's one of those things where your initial gut reaction is who are these people am I supposed to know them and then you spend a few minutes with them and you go oh these kids are okay like they're all right you know like they're they're good kids and everything and the, the one guy you know Yuki he's got the you know machine gun and he's kind of looking out for for you know Fang Lee and 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 the different people and the idea is he's He's trying to, you know, monitor all these people in their shelter and make sure that nothing bad happens to them. But unfortunately, their entire colony is going to be used as a tool of war. I mean, it's going to be this big, huge bomb that's being sent to the earth. And, you know, it, like what Justin says is accurate. They all, you know, pretty much pass out and, and there's nothing that anybody can really do, you know, and, and they all die. You know, and it's, it's, it's very, you know, I mean, obviously they don't, they don't sugarcoat that portion of it. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's weird things that I've never really gotten used to with this series. And like, for example, the characterization of Dozel Zabi has always seemed way off to me in these movies. And I think because they spent so much time on it in this movie, I'm just going to say the same thing about Kai Shiden. Like, I don't. I don't know, like, something about it seems off to me, like, like, he seems too confident in this to start with or something, I don't know, but I, I, I don't know what you guys thought about it, but that's, that, those were some of my immediate impressions, and I, I, I sort of felt concerned, I was even telling Mike before we started the recording, I'm like, I hope I don't just repeat myself, because I, I feel like I've said that about Dozel's obvious yeah. before on this show, like, that, that well, it seems almost like, you know, comical you know, to a point, you know, yeah. his, his characterization. Well, like, I I don't think I've ever seen Kai as, like, a sort of Flash Thompson type, like, where, you know, he was, like, you know, the bully in Amaro's class or whatever. But, I mean, I guess I can kind of see how he might, like, evolve to where he gets to, like, in the series where, I don't, because, like, when you meet him in the first episode of Gun or the second episode, whatever it was, he's kind of running to shelter and stuff, and, like, he's the only one there. So maybe, like, you know, his cronies or whatever, they all died or whatever. So that's why he's, like, kind of, you know, a Weasley coward or whatever in the first, like, you know, portion of the series. But, yeah, I can see how what you mean, how it feels a little off right now. But, I mean, as for Dozel... Like, he's always, you know, he obviously he's like, you know, the boisterous guy and, you know, he's very loud. I think that being loud is probably his chief attribute because they, they even kind of repeat the scene he has like later on in the series where he visits like Maneva and Zena and, you know, wakes her up again and she cries and Zena's kind of like, your voice is so loud. And he's just like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Like, oh, but, you know, I. I guess, you know, it's trying to show some kind of character progression, but, you know, I think we talked about this, Derek, in earlier episodes where, 
the animation is just like so goofy with him it kind of like sends its own impression so like i mean yeah i, I mean i, I mean because because you'd think you know what we're talking about this colony drop like i mean they deal with that through dozel zabi in a way too you know and it's 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 got that weird, you know, it's kind of like you're eating toast and you're expecting to get strawberry jam, but instead it's layered with like marmalade and you're like, what is this? Like <laughs> marmalade. Like it just feels like something, you know, it's just, it, it's totally not what you were expecting, especially considering the subject matter. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like if this is, you know, dealing with the death of like we're saying what you know, four to six billion people, right? You're like sitting there going, well, that's toast, you know? And you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, this is this is weird to kind of layer it with with stuff that you're, you know, not... I mean, well, I mean that, that scene where he like, he goes into the whole, like he's crying and then he, he basically pushes past that and is like, it's because all you fuckers are weak. Like, I mean, I get, I get the thematic change for the character, but like you're saying, the because he's played up as such a kind of you know it's got that that kind of anime kind of wackadoo you know anime flop feel to him you know where it's like you, you, it's hard to take it seriously yeah i i thought that whole scene was really interesting because the previous sequence was the colony drop in the aftermath of that and then we go right into dazzle and his family and like you're saying, it's kind of exaggerated, and there's a little bit of humor to it, but not a lot. And you know, he's like going through a whole lot of emotions. Like he's he's upset and he's crying and he's talking about like you know how much he loves Minerva, and he's like, how many millions of Minervas did I kill? And he's like super upset. And then like Derek said, he pushes through that and he toughens up. That's that's a really kind of an odd scene to play like right after you know billions of people have died a scene that's i mean it has a lot of emotional context for the character but there's also like some odd little bits of humor into it i i mean it didn't throw me off or anything i just thought it was kind of an odd choice to play like immediately after that like it would have been nice if there was a little little bit of a space where you had like some ships in orbit talking about it and they're just like oh my god look what happened and you'll give you a moment to breathe and then go to like the emotional scene with him. Oh, I, I will say like, like since I, I've read the manga, like the origin manga and like, I, I was kind of wondering like until I saw like a, a quick scene of Yuki and like Fang Lee in, in the trailer for this episode, like this, that her, their story takes place in like one chapter of the manga, like just like, I don't know, like 20 pages or whatever. So I was kind of like, well, it's, and it, those like, 20 pages focus on them so i was kind of like oh this is almost like a side story but like i was wondering if they were going to cut that from the anime but th you know thankfully they didn't because like you said i think it, it adds a lot of context and you know a greater amount of tragedy to the whole thing and you know yeah the that whole colony drop sequence is really like you, you don't really get the whole scale of it until yeah you add a like i guess a human face to it you know what I was going to ask you because you you've mentioned this repeatedly in the past, Mike. Like, did the the scenes where the the dogs and the birds and everything, like in the colony, like how they're all basically like slowly fluttering to death. Like, I mean, is that something that also sort of hit home? Yeah, 
that's pretty rough. I, I I think those are in the manga too, or at least like a couple panels, like like pan, you know, just showing like everyone inside like slowly dying or whatever. But you know, I also think like I think I've I've said before that you know, like in later series and like in in pop culture in general, especially like in Japan, I guess, because you know, Char Aznable is like super popular and whatever. There's a tendency to like romanticize the Zeon, I guess. But then you see something like this and you you're you're kind of reminded like, no, they were, you know, especially under Garen, they were a bunch of like mass murdering like monsters. So like I kind of appreciate that. It's interesting how they go out of their way to draw the the distinction between the people who supported Zeon Zoom Daikun and the people that are sort of, you know, like you're talking about, like specifically like Girenzabi, you know, the differences between, you know, how, how the philosophy is, it's still a movement. It's still galvanized a group of people to basically have their own revolution. But then, you know, the methods that were used, like, you know, Rambaral, like basically gets, you know, bumped down two ranks because he tells dozel to go fuck himself right like because he's like he's like sitting there going like i'm not doing this like he just he, it's like he massacred like side two but then after that he like he's like wait i'm not gonna be party to this fucking colony drop like are you kidding me like this is this is ridiculous like this isn't you know like like there's there's lines for certain people and and that was one that was crossed for him and so like and and he suffers for that too i mean that that basically you know gives you a setup to where him and Haman are in in the the you know standard mobile suit gundam series because even though he's widely regarded and and held in high esteem as a fighter it's not like he's got a pot to piss in you know when when he shows up all he has is his, his unit and his his men and that that kind of stuff that but it, i mean it's not like he's really up there in the high ranks and echelon and all that other kind of stuff and i i see what you're saying about you know the the way certain things are romanticized i mean it's not like it's any different from char taking out four ships you know, like there's still people on those ships too, you know, but it's like, I, I think, you know, they, they make that distinction. Like even when, when Garma and, um, I didn't write anybody's names down, uh, Degwin, right. Are, are talking about it, you know, like Degwin zombies kind of like even sort of, it's funny because you'd think like he'd be more in line with Giran, but there seems to be that disconnect, at least in in their philosophies, where he's kind of like you. You can tell he kind of disapproves of it, like because not not only was it a massive loss of life, but Giran's idea was that was gonna that was gonna be the thing that won them the war, and it pretty much like started the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Like like basically, it's like his his understanding of the finality of it was was not what it was actually going to be. And I think they were trying to establish, like, not only did did Degwin disapprove of it, but he sort of had the more adult wisdom to know that that would be something that, e even though the Federation is presented as kind of like a society of kind of, you know, there, there's a certain sense of malaise and laziness and, and kind of corruptness and, and, and you know, that that... that 
you know, something of that magnitude still will galvanize even the most, you know, lethargic and corrupt populace, you know, like that, that was the thing that actually got people's butts in gear to, you know, stand up to the Zeon, you know, so that's, it's, it's interesting. Something I thought was interesting is a line they repeated two times, maybe three times where they said, if we lose, we're going to be, you know, judged and tried as mass murderers. And I thought that was really interesting, especially coming from Japan. You know, I was like, I, I wonder if that's like a, you know, leftover, you know, World War II pain where, you know, maybe they were thinking, you know, we dropped the bomb on them twice and we won, therefore we're not looked at as mass murderers. I mean, that's that's a whole nother discussion, but I was just kind of, you know, they kept repeating that line and I had that in the back of my head. I was like, I wonder if that's kind of a, a real world, you know, kind of influence that they're taking for this. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of the stuff in just, you know, the original Mobile Suit Gundam in general, which I think definitely trickles down into the origin, you know, has those sensibilities of of real world parallels you know like where you're you're thinking about things like world war ii or you're thinking about stuff like the american revolution or you know any anything that that you can draw a parallel to like it, it's like if you know essentially you know if, if the you know the the british had won you know then then everybody who were considered the american founding fathers would have been you know, treasonous murderers. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. basically what it's tantamount to. It's like if you don't if you don't win, like you're the fucking bad guy. You know, and 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 like that's kind of where uh, the zombies' heads are at at the very least. Like you know, they're 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 in it to win. Now, uh, you know, clearly there's a lot of internal disagreement and strife over how to go about winning, but I I think I think that still holds true to to all the different members i mean it's funny like even even garma in his own way like he wants to win but like that that was the the funny part i thought is when they finally you know i i don't know like the, the, this may be revealing too much of my thoughts on the movie but it's interesting that basically like this this film is like and i'm gonna be crude again but this film is like watching the the porn where you know the, the they call up the pizza delivery guy or whatever it is or the 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 air conditioner guy or whoever and you basically watch the hot girl who's still clothed get on the phone and she's got like a rotary phone and she painstakingly dials the fucking guy up and then talks to him and then he walks up the fucking stairs and like you know, I don't know, dodges some ninja on the way up with the pizza or whatever it is. Like there, there's, there's some action to it, but it's kind of painstaking. And, and he rings the fucking doorbell and then the door opens and then the fucking movie ends. And you're like, wait, where's the fucking, you know, like, where's the scene? And, and, and to be fair, like we saw the clothless fucking money shot in the very first episode of this, or, you know, the very first film. Do you know what I mean? Like, we saw Char pwn all those ships in the very first sequence of the very first film. So it's like, I get it, like, but at the same time, like, I, I do feel like there there's that 
point where I got really, really cock-teased and excited, and, and, I, and I ended the film with a big set of blue balls. Like, that, and that's kind of how I felt. Like, I mean, it, you know, obviously there's a lot more political intrigue, and it's not as base as I'm making it sound, but that that is my ultimate takeaway from like when they you know basically when 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 Char you know basically goes out ahead of orders when they're having the big fights with all the different ships and everything it's like you're getting geared up for it and it's like here it comes like the black tri stars and and the red comet are about to like wreck shop on all these federation guys and change the dynamic of the war forever and then you've got, like, Char racing out there in his mobile suit, like, basically breaking new ground, you know, like, like you know, pushing the suit way past its limits, like, or, or maybe pushing it to its full peak potential, you know, using this new technology at, at a maximum level of efficiency that is previously unheard of. And then you just cut to the end you know what i mean like it's like it's like all right i'm just about to do it and then it's like i almost wish like they could have either shown us the same sequence from a different vantage point or if they do you know show us this in the next episode like maybe they'll re-show that again i don't know but there i did have that sort of sense about it where i was a little you know i, I kind of wanted to see them wrecking shop at the end of it and and i i guess the most that that happened i guess the the best action sequence and and obviously this is probably evidenced by mike's avatar of sela moss and she is referred to as the legendary super sela in his avatar <laughs> and that is a well-deserved moniker because like she you know, is essentially like they're, they're she's there to see Diablo, who is basically like her foster father, right? And he's he's on his deathbed, and they're basically back at the Texas colony, and and so she's you know she's seeing him to his death, and and he's surrounded by all these other you know quote unquote friends and family, including the real Shar Aznable's mother and father and, you know, all his house staff, housekeeping staff and this and that and the other thing. And basically, you know, it turns out that, you know, the overwhelming Federation population on the Texas colony is, you know, kind of gone nuts and is tired of, you know, anybody who is Zeon on that colony. And so you've got this, this massive group of, you know, basically malcontents, you know, from the Federation who are, you know, basically they, they look like something out of Fist of the North Star where they're running around in Jeeps and trying to, you know, throw Molotov cocktails and other, you know, nefarious, you know, kind of, you know, household explosives, you know, on anybody who they consider to be Zeon. And it's Sela who steps up to the plate. And, like, I, I think the best scene is where she, you know, gets one of these, you know, old, you know, Winchester shotgun rifles and just blows one of the guys, like, off the Jeep right away and shoots him in the fucking head. And you're like, yeah, Sela, yeah! You know, so I was I was definitely into that. Like, and I, I think that's probably the, the major action piece, you know, and, and money moment of this entire film. Yeah, 
Like that was probably my favorite scene in this movie. And like, I think it, it's well-deserved considering Sayla like didn't show up a lot in the last couple ones. And like the one before that, she spent like the entire like movie crying and having bad things happen to her basically. So, you know, it was nice to see where she gets some of that grit she has like in the series. It felt like in that one movie, she was like a character from uh, Eat Aeon, where it's like her mom dies, her cat dies, and her brother leaves her forever. And you're yeah. like, oh my God, like, give her this, a break. Yeah, and this, like I said, this one, she's just like, you know, like, my parents are dead. And like, <laughs> and my cat is dead. And my, that, my brother might be dead, but I don't know, <laughs> know for sure. She's that, like, it's like, Sailor, you just blew that guy away. You killed that guy on that Jeep. No, he's just sleeping. <laughs> do you not know how death works yeah he's asleep that was a really great sequence and i didn't expect her to take that stance to be honest like i figured she would turn tail and run because i mean there was like a whole bunch of guys i mean people and people on like bikes and you know humvees and stuff i was like well it's gonna take you know a guy in a mobile suit to like burst in and save them or something so when she just like picks up this old gun and she's like barricade the walls and you know grab a gun and do whatever you can i was just like well that's i was like well that's an interesting choice for her to make like i didn't expect her to like make a last stand and then i didn't expect it to work i guess like i figured they i figured that house would be half destroyed and overrun and she would eventually have to flee but she didn't i mean she you know later on she ends up like running after char's mobile suit when she sees it but i mean basically she won by you know taking a stand she's basically she you know she's like she's had enough she doesn't want this man who's dying you know she doesn't want him to she doesn't want his house to be overrun and she doesn't want him to you know experience that i think that's why she made that choice i think i don't know i i could be wrong but i think maybe if it was you know someone else's house she would have probably maybe not took a stand. I don't know, but I just thought that was a really, really interesting choice for her to make, and I really liked that sequence. Do you think that the element of her knowing that Char has the red mobile suit, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I felt like that whole sequence, I mean, it was cool to bring back the one guy who knew Romba Rall, the the one guy who's working for like Xeon Intelligence or whatever, and then for him to, you know, you know, basically recall his role in sort of escaping with, you know, Artesia and and Casval, you know, basically in in that, you know, in some of those original movies and everything. But like I, I, I kept thinking about, and I don't know, maybe this is my own problem because maybe the origin manga doesn't do things exactly the same way as the original series, but I kept thinking about that first encounter between Char and Sela, you know, in the original Mobile Suit Gundam and how, you know, she's got the gun and he kicks it out of her hand and then he has that moment where he's like, that couldn't have been Artesia. And it's like, that doesn't really contradict Char's thoughts on Artesia, but like, if she knew about the red mobile suit, like, wouldn't she know who that is before she pulled a gun on him? Like, the, like it, it always uh, the gist I always got of the original mobile suit Gundam was that, that that was supposed to be the irony that they were brother and sister, but 
they were fighting with one another and they had no idea who the hell each other were. And like, even if she thinks it's literally Char Asnoble and not Casval, she still knew who Char Asnoble was, right? In this. So you would think she would know that she was pulling a gun on Char Asnoble, but she doesn't, you know, like, I don't know. It just, that, I don't uh, Well, I don't like, he doesn't, he doesn't tell her what that I like what Shar Aznable looks like. I don't think, or what you know. I don't think she like in the first episode of Gundam when she confronts him. Like maybe maybe it's infamous that Shar wears a mask or whatever. But I don't think like she knows what Shar Aznable like. You know, basically the report like you know the reports of the Zeon hero Shar Aznable what he looks like or anything. Yeah, so but, maybe. But... Well, okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching too much, but like I I guess I see what you're saying, like his physical appearance, right? Like she doesn't know that he's a blonde yeah. guy who wears a mask, right? That's fair enough. I I'll grant you that. But this intelligence guy basically says, "Hey, I think Casfall's still alive." And oh, by the way, Char Asnable flies around in a red mobile suit. If he's dressed in a pink fucking space suit that's red, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm reaching, but like, I, I was just thinking like, dude, he was, he was floating around and he's wearing a red outfit. Like they make a big deal over the fact the black tri-stars are like, Hey, there's this fruity dude who rides around in a red fucking mobile suit. Like, don't let him show us up black tri-stars and zeon soldiers like he's the only dude who does that like there's oh, except for fucking johnny Ryden <laughs> and all those other fuck faces but we're gonna ignore that <laughs> you know and and just say char is the only guy who does the red thing right and so i was just thinking like well if she knows that a guy in red is potentially char and then she stumbles upon a guy in a you know a normal suit a space suit that's also red I don't know that that was just I I don't know that that to me was like one of those things where I was, you know, doing my, you know, well, maybe I don't know, like, I, I guess I feel like there's enough wiggle room there because I mean, well, first of all, first of all, like in the first episode, that's a real like, you know, there's a lot happening. There's a like that's a high tension situation. And she's supposed to be like scouting around for survivors. She sees this guy in a red spacesuit, like looking at mobile suit parts, and she's like, "Hey, who the fuck are you? Like, turn around and take your helmet off." And you know, when he takes the mask off, that's when she says, "Like, that's when she like hesitates," because then she sees his face. But like, I, I don't know. Like, I think there was enough like confusion that day, and you know, stuff where she wasn't maybe thinking. Or maybe it was at the back of her mind, but it didn't occur to her until, like, he took the mask off. But I don't know. Like, I, I think there's enough wiggle enough. room there. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I I, I, I think maybe I think too much about it. See, I, I kind of had the same thoughts that you had, Derek. Like, I, I was close to putting in the first disc of, you know, Gundam and kind of rewatching that first encounter because I was having the same thoughts of you, I guess, you know, because... You know, because I love continuity and stuff like stuff like that kind of drives me crazy. I guess you know, if you think about it, because like you said, it's like she doesn't see the red mobile suit in episode one, but she, you know, he's the only guy in like a pink, you know, spacesuit or whatever flying around. So you would think, and then when she when he takes off the mask, you know, she has to like kind of know that's her brother because he wears the the mask with the 
you know, pink or purple lint is because that's the only thing that hides his eye color. Like that's the only thing that distinguishes char, the real char from Casfall. I don't, oh, I think, like I said, I don't, I don't think the first thing on her mind when she saw that guy in the first episode was like, could that be my brother? She was yeah. like, her, her thing was like, Hey, this weird guy that I don't know, like is, you know, looks suspicious, like turn around and take your helmet off. Like, well, and but, then, see, like, but see, that's not, that's not our problem though. I mean, Justin can back me up if I'm speaking for him, but I, I don't think our issue is with that. It's a high tension situation and she wasn't sure what was going on in those first few moments. But like you said, once he takes off the helmet, then she hesitates, right? Why does she hesitate? Because she thinks it might be someone she knows, right? I mean, that's that's why she does it, right? So then yeah. after that point, does she suspect that? Like what I mean, like I guess I guess what I'm what I'm trying to wrestle with is after that point, like, shouldn't it almost be like instantaneous recognition? But like, why? Why is it even in doubt? But but the whole crux of the original series is it, it is in doubt because you don't know about it because you as an audience have no idea that there there's even any connection, and and that also extends to the characters to a certain point. Well, see, I don't like I, maybe I'm not remembering it right, but I thought the confusion like between them was only on Char's like behalf like char wasn't sure she was artesia but i thought she was pretty sure he was castfall like mm. i don't i don't think after she sees him she's like you know i think she's because even in this thing she she kind of like goes to castfall's grave and then she kind of after like thinking over what the intelligence guy told her she kind of like puts two and two together and she says like you know brother like what did you do to char like the real one like you know, mm. so like I think once he took her, his mask off, like all her like doubts were confirmed. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Okay. Like, and, uh, and for I, all... Until, until she, that happened, she didn't have evidence, and then when she did, she kind of faltered because maybe she didn't want to believe it. But mm. okay. Yeah, and and as far as Char knows, she could be dead. I mean, even in the movie when he's flying around, he's like, if there are you know fates at work, then you won't be on this colony. So, yeah. For all he knows, she could be dead. For all he knows, she was on fucking side two when Rumbaral blew it yeah. up. I mean, you know, who the fuck knows? Poor, yeah. poor, and poor Shar Aznable's parents got blown up when they were trying to leave. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess if, if I'm mean, like the mother's like, oh, all I want to do is see my son again. It's like, well, there you go. You got your fucking wish. <laughs> you know? I'm your son. Like, I'm not. He's like. <laughs> He's like, you know, like Char flies by. He's like, I'm not your son. I'm that guy that looked just like him. Oh, Sorry, fake dad. What did you guys do? You guys disagree with me about the end? Did, or are you fine with it kind of ending after he, you know, zooms into the fight? Honestly, I kind of expected that. Like, because okay. okay. I, I like, we're getting towards the end of the new material, like from the origin manga. So I'm like, well, they can't like the the actual Battle of Loom hasn't like like it's sort of begun, but it hasn't gotten into full swing. And there's there's going to be a whole thing about General Revel coming up about like you know the Black Tri Stars trying to capture him, yeah, and like yeah. then you know that that kind of eventually like leads into like the first episode or it will. And 
I don't know. Like I was kind of like, like how much material do they have left to adapt? So it's got to be like I looked at the timer around that point, and I'm like, I don't think either they're gonna like. I I was kind of thinking what you said, Derek. Whereas like either they're just gonna repeat repeat that first scene from the first episode, or it's just gonna cut out before that first scene begins, and that's what it ended up doing. And I mean, yeah, I, I guess like I could see what you you're saying. Like you were like you know left with the blue balls, but. I, I guess I was like braced for it. So it, it didn't like, you know, I thought it was kind of badass where he's like, you know, I'll make God like bow before me or whatever. And then you it, like, will suck my cock cut to black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, again, I guess I was like, he's like, Un- unlike, unlike the viewer, I will not have blue balls. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I will have red balls for I am the red comet. Yeah, I guess me and Derek are secret brothers again, because like I was not expecting it to end there. Like I, like I was really into the whole movie. So like when Char, you know, like when his spacesuit is launched and he's like revving it up and he's he's doing his red comet thing for the first time. Like I was really into it, and it gets you know he's going faster and faster and faster, and then you know he's like having his wacky dialogue and everything, and then. He's, you know, he's trying to steady the bazooka onto the ship and everything, and then it goes forward, and then it just ends. I was just like, what? <laughs> what? Like, that's where it ends? I was like, oh, geez, now I'm going to have to wait, like, six months for the next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might, it might even be a year now, because, like, they... Oh, like Yeah, like, it was kind of like Unicorn, where, like, it, it would, would be, like, two episodes a year, and then for the last two, they, like, like took a year off in between each one, so, I, I don't know, I, maybe, I guess we'll see, because, like, I, I, I know, like, the next project that they rumored was going to be another Unicorn, like, sequel or something, but I guess we're going to see where this goes, or when, when the next episode of Origin comes out, at least. I really liked this episode like this like I was looking forward to this one because like I said like I knew what was going to happen like in terms of what the manga like portrayed and uh, I figured this would be the start of some really exciting stuff and it was and yeah like I I, I maybe I'm I was better prepared for like you know a, an abrupt ending or whatever but like I, I this aside from the first episode this might be like my second favorite episode hmm. okay what did you guys think of Haman's lengthy musical sequence? Did you like that, or did, were you bored by it? Because I, I really liked that. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I, I did think it, it went on for, like, 30 seconds longer than I thought it was going to go on for. Like, I don't know. There's, like, a point where she kind of, like, fades off. And, like, I, I was like, oh, well, that was really nice. But then, like, she starts up again. And I was like, oh, you're going to still sing? Like, okay. Like, and then, like, it went on for another, like, 30 seconds to a minute. And then I was like, okay, well, you got a really nice voice. But I thought that scene was over and done with. Like, I thought you made your point already. But, you know, it was good. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good sequence. I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, kind of bar atmosphere and, and the, you know, she's, you know, singing at the piano. And you've got you've got the guy who clearly was was head over heels for her. You know, like not not just Ron Baral, but that that intelligence guy who's like sort of he gets to have a front row seat and everything. And it's one of those things where he just he pulls up a glass and has a drink and enjoys it, you know, and it's like one of those things where it's like that that's kind of a cool uh, uh, 
sort of a cool beat for that character, like it, that he's grown up a little bit, maybe. No, no, what I did want to bring up about that scene too. It's like, like in the in the series, Rambaral always struck me as sort of like paunchy, like a little maybe overweight. But like, I, I feel like they're still drawing him as like sort of like the younger Rambaral, like that he was like maybe two episodes ago or so. But I don't. Maybe maybe that's some sort of like you know visual retconning since he's only supposed to be 35 years old or whatever but like well but i don't you know, know like... you, you never know too because there there's there's that stuff i mean i i know you know justin will know what i'm talking about and, and you probably won't but like you know there's that there, there's that funny ass thing in the transition from season two to season three of battlestar galactica and you've got you know leo mm. dama who is is <laughs> the, the the most svelte in shape you know model looking dude but then they 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 have this sequence where it's like you know you know it's the typical you know DC Marvel you know one year later thing and like let's find out what happened to our favorite cast of characters and Leah Dama is like you know fucking fat as fuck I mean he's like fucking nutty professor fucking fat you know <laughs> and and yeah. and like and 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 it's you know it's obviously character driven you know it's like it's like you know you know he he was clearly in love with starbuck and there's all this fucking drama and bullshit and and you know people are you know it's you know it's got a lot of heavy implications with the sort of end of the human race and all this other stuff and 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 it's it's a reflection of of how he's given up you know like that that he's just kind of like all right i'm just gonna fucking be fat you know i'm fucking i've had it i'm giving up you know and 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 there could be something to that where you know th this might be this might be that first moment of you know like like Rambaral was still going like he wasn't super happy about what happened to Zeon Zoom Tycoon and but he did what he could he got the kids out he he's still gonna be a soldier he was gonna pilot mobile suits like he thought that that was gonna be the thing you know that he could focus on and then it turned out nope sorry you know they're gonna drop colonies and do all this stupid shit and all you're gonna do is run around and not actually fight honorably in a war like you thought you're just gonna run around and slaughter people for the fucking zombies who you know are fucking murderers so at that point i mean it's like that's why he's sitting there drunk off his ass and if he keeps living like that he probably gets that rambaral punch that oh you know, yeah he doesn't yeah. have you know yeah I'm <laughs> just laughing because I like he's like sorry Haman like like I'm not gonna drop no fucking colony so now I'm just gonna be fat from now on I'm just gonna be fat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well yeah let's let's wrap this up. I think we said what we we've had to say about Gundam: The Origin Part Five. We probably you know we will surely revisit the next episode a year down the road and whenever that that comes up and everything but this is this is basically our you know 50th episode so this is kind of a, a mini celebration i know we we you know i know sometimes we tend to kind of go all over the place i mean this is part index show and part you know whatever the fuck we feel like talking about for gundam and stuff like that and you know we we hope everybody's enjoyed uh listening to the show up to this point so far and we're gonna of course keep bringing you mobile suit gundam content in whatever form that may be 
and we hope you've enjoyed listening to this show if you like mobile suit mondays we hope you consider checking out all of our other various spin-off shows such as toku thursdays transformers tuesdays sentai saturdays big in japan where we talk about anime comics motherfucker do you read them where we talk about comic books and our fan holes podcast proper if you want to send us any comments questions and or concerns if you're like dude what's with all the porn analogies Derek you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com we are on Stitcher Radio we can be streamed there we're on iTunes you can leave us some five star reviews and until the next time this is going to be Derek Derek WC signing off and then we're just totally going to cut the black right here and nobody else gets to say goodbye (laughs) what? All right. (laughs) And it's my, how can we cut to black when my balls are on fire? (laughs) This is Justin, signing off. I'm a literal red comet here. Poor Yuki, poor Fang Lee, poor birds poor snow, and, snow. and dogs and things.
I like she's like, let me get this straight. Your name is Snow Snow? That's yeah, so that's, stupid. That's what I was like. Your name's Snow Snow? Like, what? Snoo Snoo. Snow Snow. It's like, look, we're going to die in like 20 minutes. So, like, why don't you just give me some, okay? <laughs> like, can we, like, Yo, give me some out? sugar, baby. Can we make out before we die, please? Thank you. <laughs> it's like, okay, look, like, when someone has to come out of this without blue balls, like, <laughs> may as well be me. Have they released, like, even an official, like, U.S. release date for this? Uh, December something or other is when uh, the, uh, that limited edition, you know, Blu-ray thing that looks like a record comes out. Ah, uh, okay, because so, I would like to watch the dub at some point. Yeah. I, I don't know if that means that's when the the actual, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like, rental. Like, I, I thought the rental yeah. thing would have been out by now, but I I haven't, I mean, I, I haven't looked extremely hard for it, but I, I didn't see anything. So, I just, I downloaded the lowest quality um, subtitled version. I watched it last night. Yeah, it was on. I don't know if it still is, but it was on YouTube for a long time. Yeah, I imagine like, that's I, that's where they got it from because I, could, I yeah. could tell it had the little sunrise like logo in the corner. Yeah, and stuff like that. <clears throat> I mean, I I've got some things to say about this, but I I feel like some of it is like like I'm I'm more interested in Justin's thoughts because I feel like I'm. Oh yeah, semi. I I kind of feel like I'm gonna repeat myself, kind of. I don't know. Yeah, and like he hasn't been on one of these shows before, yeah, so. so. <laughs> All right. So I, me, I hope me... you're not. Hmm. I hope you're not pressed for time mike because i was rambling on about star trek and no that's okay okay uh, i don't have to work till noon tomorrow so i can sleep in if i need if need be it's okay me and me and mike are depending on you to carry this whole episode because you know. <laughs> i i am the legendary super sailor i like mike <laughs> yeah like, that man, was making like... me laugh <laughs> You never knew I, she had it in there until you saw yeah. this. I felt like, you know, like the Kill Bill music started playing when that scene. <laughs> Someone should re, re edit that scene. <laughs> yeah, that, I was almost considering that. Yeah.